Tēnā koutou and welcome to Hei Pai Tātou, We Are Good, a podcast about emotions and mental health brought to you by students and staff from Te Heringawaka, Victoria University of Wellington. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Jutel, Professor of Health at Te Heringawaka and Director of Mata Ora, Encounters Between Medicine and the Arts. Our guest today is Professor Jonathan Boston. He's a professor of policy studies at Teheringawaka in the School of Government. Now, Jonathan was the co-chair of the expert advisory group on solutions to child poverty and has written extensively on climate change policy. He was also appointed an officer of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to public and social policy in the 2021 New Year's honors. Jonathan suffers from an anxiety disorder. Now, did I get that introduction right, Jonathan? Is there anything you'd like to correct or change about it? Uh, that's very good, Emery. You're very accurate. Thank oh, you. Lovely. And congratulations on the New Year honours. That's lovely. So uh, an anxiety disorder. Have you had this most of your life or is this something of later onset? Could you describe that for us briefly? Yeah, so very briefly, um, as a baby, my parents had great difficulty getting to me to sleep. Um, uh, and I think it's partly because I was born into a very stressful, anxious home environment. And so I was drugged uh, as a child from a very young age. My father was a doctor um, and I was given uh, a drug called Phenagon, which I took as a child until I was probably about mm, 10 or 12. And, and then... Um, my uh, teenage years were reasonable from a stress anxiety point of view but then um, from the third year in university I started suffering very acute um, insomnia and and that problem of insomnia uh, was um, well it was interpreted as being largely about anxiety um, and uh, I've had that problem most of my uh, adult life Emery so um, I've been uh, under uh, a number of psychiatrists over the course of my life, and I have been on medication for much of my adult life. So it's very interesting, Jonathan, number one, that you are such a very successful man to whom so many people look up. And on the other hand, that you very freely and openly disclose this anxiety disorder, I believe to your students, as well as to people who ask, is that right? Is disclosure uh, part of? Absolutely, yes. So I've, I was brought up in a context where, where my father, as I mentioned, was a doctor. He, he moved to work at a psychiatric hospital during the last 20 years of his career. Uh, and so I actually lived in the grounds of Sunnyside Hospital, which was then a psychiatric hospital, now Hillmorton in Christchurch. And my father was very keen to ensure that, that uh, mental health um, issues, psychiatric problems were demystified, that they weren't treated as, as matters that you couldn't discuss or shouldn't discuss, but that we should talk about uh, our mental health issues in the way we talk about our physical health issues. And indeed, in many cases, they're, they're related. So that was a context in which I was brought up. I, I subsequently married a, a, a doctor who <laughs> for three years trained in psychiatry, but never 
completed her exams, so didn't become a psychiatrist, instead became a, a general practitioner. Um, and my wife has also had uh, various uh, mental health issues. So it, I've, I've lived in a context where mental health issues were, uh, if you like, a common subject of discussion and where there was a, a, a very keen desire to uh, ensure that these issues were talked about uh, openly and, and, and freely and uh, on, on the basis that this would actually help people cope better. So when it's come to teaching uh, in a university context, Anne-Marie, um, I've been very open with students uh, about my particular circumstances and particularly in circumstances where I know the individual student or perhaps a group of students are themselves uh, facing uh, significant uh, mental health challenges, uh, anxiety, depression, or, or even more acute issues. Um, and the feedback I've had from students in this context is that they have valued my openness and they've valued the opportunity to talk to me just as, a, as another human being, not as a mental health professional, which I'm not, but just as someone else who's a fellow traveler who understands their circumstances or at least some of their circumstances and can, if you like, be alongside them and offer some just normal human <laughs> understanding and, and, and possibly, you know, advice. So my usual advice is to tell them uh, to see someone with professional training if it seems that they need that kind of assistance. Did you encounter any obstacles uh, when you found yourself uh, disclosing or talking about your anxiety in a culture that was different from the one you were raised in? Um, we're pretty stiff upper lipped here in New Zealand and a lot of people keep their problems to themselves. If you were raised in this uh, outward uh, looking sort of context, did you find it challenging sometimes to disclose or to discuss uh, these things which to you were so important to put out in the open? So uh, Emery, I've not had any significant difficulties and I've not had a great deal of pushback, but I'm very conscious that many people prefer not to talk about such matters publicly or in indeed even in, in small groups. Um, for many people, these are private matters that they prefer not to talk about. But I do think over the course of my lifetime, there has been a shift culturally and, mm -hmm. and that's been assisted by a number of prominent uh, sports people and others who have disclosed their problems and who have sought to help others cope with the kinds of challenges that they have faced. So I think today, uh, and probably certainly for the last decade or so, there's been a much greater willingness on the part of people uh, to, to talk about mental health issues. Um, and I think that's a thoroughly healthy thing. Uh, I'd have to say probably a couple of other things, Anne-Marie. One, one is that my sense is that the number of people who suffer uh, uh, anxiety and depression, uh, and I'm talking here now particularly among young people uh, of a student age cohort, sort of 18 to 25, I think the number of people who suffer has, has increased during the course of my career. I, I, I'm not a specialist in this area, but from talking to people who do know more, more about these things than I, uh, that does seem to be uh, evident. And certainly in the last two years with COVID, uh, my sense has been a very significant increase in, in, in students um, experiencing um, 
various mental health issues, including including insomnia. The mm. second thing I wanted to say, Anne Marie, is it's it's um, I've I've found that some of my very best students are often people who actually do um, suffer acute anxiety. Um, I've I've had students uh, over a number of years who have disclosed to me, and these are some of the you know the really top students who who struggle with struggle with sleep. Um, and so forth, and and I wonder to what extent that is perhaps um, a product of perfectionism and a desire to do really well, which uh, then contributes to uh, anxiety about about perhaps not doing as well as they'd like. Mm. Um, but I may be wrong. It, it's interesting, Jonathan. I had a student in my office uh, last week. You know, I'm the associate dean for students, so when they have mm. problems, they come to see me. And uh, this young lady was involved in lots of things and uh, was uh, falling behind. And we were discussing um, uh, we were discussing what she needed to do. Now, I made reference to perfectionism, uh, not talking about her, just in the course of a conversation. And I watched her face change, and her lip trembled. And I said, "Aha!" Uh -huh. And I said. Uh, perfectionism has that triggered something for you and she said yes I think I'm a perfectionist mm. and I said oh okay and I asked her to speak about that a little bit but in fact um and I was as sometimes you are when a student comes in and they're a bit distressed they may show some emotion and you want to make sure they're okay before you leave and I before they leave excuse me and I asked her I said what are you going to do this afternoon she said well I'm I'm going to go tell my boyfriend I'm a perfectionist and I said good Good, that's a good start. And she said, I said, had you not discussed this before? And she said, uh, no, I hadn't put a name to it. Mm. And mm. to me, that was interesting. And I wasn't, I didn't know she was a perfectionist. I wasn't talking about her, but finding a name to describe something which is weighing you down or slowing mm. you down or creating problems from you was in this case, a bit of an aha moment. Yeah. Is that, is that something that um, that you could talk about in reference to your students or to your own experience of well, anxiety I, disorders? Well, I, I can't think immediately off the top of my head, Emery, of, of specific aha moments with students, but I suspect there have been those. Um, and I'd also need to be clear that perfectionism is probably not the main cause of, ang the cause of anxiety, and uh, let alone depression. Mm. Um, uh, but I think in some in some students it, it contributes to some of the challenges they face. Um, but I have been I have been struck uh, again just to repeat what I've said in the last eighteen months two years that a very significant number of students uh, once I think they feel comfortable knowing that I myself um, uh, suffer from anxiety. Uh, I've just been struck by the number of students who have been willing to disclose that to me um, and 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 to share something of their their life journey. Um, and, and of course, we have to recognize uh, that there are um, how can I put it different levels or or degrees of 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 challenge that people have uh, from from low level uh, stress that, that that most people experience experience at some point before an exam or before a race or something like that through to the very uh, serious psychiatric conditions, psychosis and so forth. Yes. Um, uh, but 
and, and Emery, I, I do feel that the university needs to do more in the current environment to, to assist students, um, and particularly at, at, at the, perhaps the lower level of, of challenge, um, uh, to have some, some you know, basic sort of mental health um, <laughs> education, getting good sleep, you know, not not working uh, too late uh, on 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 a computer or laptop, um, uh, which might disrupt sleep. Uh, you know, being able to do breathing exercises um, and other exercises that can kind of de-stress people, uh, particularly as they approach nighttime. Um, uh, you know, taking breaks to have some exercise and indeed to get adequate exercise to eat to eat well <laughs> to the extent that people can afford to, and so on. Mm. Um, because uh, I, I, I do think that, you know, in many cases, some very simple procedures and, and, and disciplines can be helpful. But I'm also very mindful that in many cases, they can't, uh, and that people need more uh, significant interventions, including counselling and drugs, so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, last person I spoke to on one of these podcasts was Rob Mokaraka. And in Rob's words, one of the most important things uh, links very closely to what you uh, refer to when you speak of fellow travelers. Uh, he spoke about the importance of connection and of aroha. Um, mm. And I wonder if we might close this little podcast with some reflections upon how, if you had a magic wand and you could assist people to reach out to those fellow travelers to, find, to realize that they're not alone, what words of guidance would you give the person who has perhaps not yet talked about uh, their experiences with, with their fellow travelers um, and who might benefit from so doing? So I would say, first of all, uh, recognize and own the problems you're facing and, and be real, be honest. Um, secondly, be willing <laughs> to, uh, to talk to other people about that. Uh, for students, I mean, it may be your girlfriend, boyfriend, it may be uh, a, a, a relative, uh, it, it may be, you know, just a good friend, um, it may be uh, uh, a member of the academic community or, or a member of the professional staff at the university, but just be willing, uh, willing to disclose um, and, and to be open. Um, the third point would be, you know, if, if the situation is reasonably serious, please, you know, make sure you reach out to, uh, to the professional services. And, and in that context, Anne-Marie, I'm just very conscious that our professional services have been under a lot of stress and have, have long waiting times uh, and waiting lists uh, for, 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 for many students. So, so that is a challenge, I, I recognize that. But uh, if, if the student isn't able to access um, the student health services, uh, then to try other health services um, within within the city or within the community that they're part of. And I, I suppose the final thing to say would be for people to recognise that they're not alone in this. Um, that you know, part of the human condition, and, and a very common part of the human condition, is to experience stress and anxiety, and indeed uh, periods of of, of depression. For most people, generally only mild depression, but for periods of depression during the course of one's life, this is this is, and that sooner people can uh, recognize, own, engage, seek help, uh, the better. Um, 
Yeah. That was Jonathan Boston, and I'm Anne-Marie Jutel. Hey, pai tato.